This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Frida Liu. You're listening to Enterprise. According to an article by the Age Market, Malaysia's inflation rate increased by 4% in November 2022, year by year, and understandably, people are looking to different methods of strengthening their financial assets, the popular one being investing. Financial illiteracy is arguably the main reason some people avoid indulging in it altogether. But according to Nadia Ismadi, this is not the case. She believes that we're actually thinking ahead. The bigger fundamental problem is the absence of funds to invest with in the first place, and that is the issue Nadia and her team are tackling with their product, Pod. Now, Pod is a savings app designed to help users save money, track their everyday expenditure and guide them manage their finances. I'm here with the co-founder and CEO of Pod, and Nadia is Madi. That was the formal introduction, but I know you, Nadia, five years ago, five, six years ago, when you were working for an asset company, Nomura Asset, right? Yeah. And then you were saying, I'm coming out to do my own thing. I'm like, what is it, girl? What is it that you're doing? So, working for this large organization and deciding to do this what yeah. was the trigger uh, thank you so much Rita, for the wonderful introduction so when i was at nomura we were looking mainly at institutional clients right so they're like a pension fund central banks within the region so we don't look at individual investors one fine day my former boss who's now my mentor regina rahim came in and said hey you know you're young go figure out how to get young people to start investing through a digital platform so this was way before robo was a sexy mm. thing so my team and I, we did the whole like groundwork right around how do we figure this out? And then we had a prototype demo and then we even had a working sort of a group to test it with. We realized that there's no point talking to young exec, people who just had their first job about investing when they're barely making ends meet because they don't know how to manage their money. Right. So saving was the immediate thing that they actually needed before stepping them up to being investors. So that was one of the light bulb moments for me. And then, you know how FIs always say, financial institutions always say, oh, Malaysians can't save a thousand ringgit in emergency. Every year, we hear right. the same yeah. thing over and over again, right? Re- inflation, no inflation regardless. Mm. So we thought, Michael for Nana, I thought, why isn't anybody doing anything about this? Like, mm. let's figure out how to get Malaysians to save a thousand ringgit. Right. So that's really how we got started. Just started with how to get Malaysians yeah. saving a thousand ringgit. <laughs> yeah. Wow, and that was such a big issue in this country, right? That was it. And you were saying, you know, way back when, it was actually just five, six years ago, <laughs> right? You may talk about global advisors, that was way back when. Yeah. Now, what did you discover along the way as, you know, you're trying to get Malaysians to save a thousand ringgit? What were the why, issues? Yeah. yeah, why they can't manage, mm. right? So I think one of the things that that we found interesting was when we first started, our focus group was youth. So people mm. between 21 and 35 years old. Because they are in a position where they can still make changes, right? Whereby they just started their first job. So there's still ways to help groom them to manage money better. But then one of the challenges that we found was that I think the mentality of savings was not there. Because mm. immediately when they get their paycheck, then, you know, the responsibilities and obligations come first. So, you know, repayment of stuff and then, you know, expenses, then only the leftover, which is usually none, okay. is what they save. Right. So it happens in the end. Okay. So the first thing is put the money aside first. First, exactly. So then when you, let's say you make about um, 2000 
2008, right? Then from the 2008, let's say you decide I want to put 100. Let's just mm. begin there, right? I want to put 100. So with 2,700 is what you kind of maneuver around versus you already in your mind, I have 2,008, whatever that's left, usually it's not going to happen. Mm. So we saw the model of effective savings and personalized savings in the US and the UK, which was our point of inspiration. What they managed to do is to the point that, okay, Frida did not go out today because she was working from home. So she didn't have lunch and coffee outside. Mm. So that will total up to, let's say, 20 ringgit of savings. Immediately, 20 ringgit gets deducted into your savings account. Ah. So it's phenomenal, right? That kind right. of automation. Because people don't wake up every day thinking, oh, I should save today. Right. Yeah, 7am snooze, then oh, I need to save. Nobody thinks that, right? <laughs> so how do you make saving as seamless and as easy as possible? So that was inside one. The second thing we realized is saving for emergency or saving for the long-term thing is a bit far-fetched for the for the uh, your 20s, okay. yeah. So you need to help them save towards the thing they care about. Mm. So pre-pandemic was travel. Right. Travel and gadget was our main goals, okay. saving goals. 60-70% of our users were saving to travel and then probably 0.2% were saving for emergency. Okay. <laughs> Priorities, <laughs> Priorities <hashtag>. in life. <laughs> so, but what was interesting was fast forward post-pandemic, ah. the stats reversed. Okay. Now 80% of our users are saving for emergency, <laughs> 0.5 for 1% saving to travel. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, good thing. Good. Right? Yeah. But you know, you're just making that comment, right? You know, stop spending so much money on coffee. Just make them at home. Just go to BFM, get free coffee. <laughs> just had coffee this morning. <laughs> okay. Now, what was it like in the early days developing this? And what were some of the things that you discovered didn't work? You know, you had grand ideas, big ideas, I guess, you know, ambitious ideas. But, you know, okay, this doesn't work. There were so many. So when we first started, we building onto the automation bit mm. that I was telling you about, right? Uh, people don't think about savings. So how can we automate the savings for them? So we started partnering up with Curlex. So they're one of the direct debit providers, a dear friend of ours. So we say, hey, we want to integrate this direct debit functionality inside our app. So when people register, immediately they put in their bank account. We target the money on a week-on-week mm-hmm. basis right away. Mm. Nobody was willing to go and do that. So our dropout was very high when we immediately introduced direct debit because A, people don't know who you are. Who is this pot people? Yeah. How do I know they're not going to run away with my money, right? So that was one of the stumbling blocks we found in the early days was don't ask people's bank account right up front. Right. So as we go along, we let them to, you know, look at the interface, plan. So we had a calculator to allow them to say, hey, you know, if I, let's say I want to save to go to Bali or whatever. My budget is $1,005. Um, I'm going in the next, let's say, six months. So every week we will show them how much you need to save, if mm. it's on a monthly basis, how much. And then they will decide whether I want to do the automated route or I want to do my own transfers. Mm. So initially what we saw was the user behavior is people will do their own transfer and they only transfer a little bit and ah. then they withdraw because they want to see whether or not they get their money back. <laughs> so, and then after that, the following week or following month, depending on how they set, then they will start putting in more. Okay. Now yeah. that they trust you. Now that they trust and then they say, oh, okay, my money, my money do come Did back. come back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so actually, why the name pod? So because we were thinking that iPod is a container for your music, right? So ah. this pod is the container for, for your savings, for your money. So that's how we come up with it. Okay. Yeah. So what's interesting is also you venture into Indonesia, but we'll talk about that later. Mm. When you talk about your audience right now, this is the B40, obviously. And you were saying that how many how many Malaysians are not uh, underbanked? Yeah, so there's about 1.5 million people today who will struggle to get access to financing. Mm. So as we grew the platform, so today, 
day, we pot essentially, even though we started with savings, we now are a financial well-being platform mm. for the gig workers and the underserved um, mm. in Malaysia. So we look at not just the savings element, because that's, that's how we started and that's how we want to kind of incentivize people to start with the most basic product first. And then now we also have microfinancing, we also have microinsurance and microinvestments. Microinsurance and microinvestments are true partners, mm. but microfinancing is the portion that uh, we're building now to address um, the 1.2 million people who are not part of the banking ecosystem. Okay, so how does that work, the microfinancing? You lend them how much and then how do you, you know, how does that work? Yeah, so basically if let's say you are a gig worker today, yeah. you work on your own, you don't have payslip, it is very challenging for you to get financing from the banks. Mm. If you go there and then try to apply for financing, yeah. it will be very likely that yeah. you don't get proved, right? So what we do is we provide them with small amount of financing. So mm. the maximum that we do is 5,000 ringgit. Mm. But for some select SME, we do up to 10. Mm. So the process is when they apply, we realize that we are solving actually a deeper problem when we try to provide financing to these guys because they don't have existing CITOS or secrets okay. record established. So we have to figure out a way to score these guys. So we ended up building our own alternative credit scoring model to give out the financing. So some of the, the beauty about building our own credit scoring system is we can decide what goes into the score. Okay. Right? So one of the things that we do is to put savings mm. traction as well as financial literacy consumption on the app as part of the score as well. Mm. So if they are a saver, then they will get a higher score compared to non-savers. So if, for example, if someone wants to borrow 3,000 ringgit, but today the amount that we unlock uh, to them is 2,000 ringgit, in order for them to increase it, they will have to consume bite-sized financial literacy content and also create saving goals, for example. And they'll right. do it. So that we weave the financial literacy as part of the product proposition. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about the, the, the credit scoring and I guess your idea is you actually want to improve them to, to such a level that then they can actually go on to make more money because now they've seen a little bit of money but we'll talk about that in just a moment. I'm here with Nadia uh, Ismadi from Pod. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Burgers from Mamas. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Frida Liu. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Enterprise. I'm here with uh, Nadia Ismadi from Pod talking about this convention, what interesting idea on how to get the B40 to start saving. And you were just saying earlier on, you know, like 1.2 million underbanked in Malaysia and you're helping them with microfinancing and also improving their, you know, some they have a credit score. And the idea is then for them to be able to have, to be able to ultimately buy a house, buy a exactly. motorbike, that sort of thing, right? Yeah. Okay. So what has happened, you know, over the last, what, what kind of milestones have you seen in the last five years? So currently we have over 60,000 people that are saving on mm. the platform and we've launched a microfinancing product sometime last year. Mm. Um, so what's interesting is that we've already started giving out financing and thankfully because uh, we work through partners, right? So the likes of Food Panda, um, Shopee Food, mm. GoGet, uh, agent to you and a few other platforms to support the working capital essentially right, for right. the gig workers. Not only that we're focused on the microfinancing so that they could weather emergency better or any scenarios, uh, surprises in their lives, but we also want them, like what you mentioned, 
mentioned, right? Mm. To graduate them to eventually be bankable so they could get a bike, a house, uh, or any other things mm. that they would need, right? Because those are the kind of things we can't fund from our own balance sheet. Right. And it's interesting that you've partnered with these people, right? You've partnered with, with the GoGet. And, and then there's the level of trust because if, yeah. for example, I'm with GoGet or what have you, okay, so part is available there. And that is a great in terms of marketing for you guys. Yes, absolutely. Because I think from the perspective of the gig workers, right, they're mm. so busy just putting food on the table for their family. They mm. don't have time to learn about the different kind of products that they can access to. Already the access to products were very limited when it comes to financial products. So what they need is just someone telling them, okay, this is the product that's available. Savings, you need to save, let's say, whatever, 10% of your earnings. And uh, with some of our partners, that can be automated. So right. every week when they earn, if they decide 10% goes to port, then 10% get immediately deducted before mm. the money gets transferred from the platform to the gig workers. Okay. Yeah. So then they, it's automated and then they, what they don't see and then suddenly, yeah, surprise, we've got money surprise in there. Surprise they have right. Right. A good surprise, not a bad surprise. Exactly. Um, and also, looking at this right now, when did you venture into Indonesia? So we started actually looking at Indonesia in 2020, but then because of pandemic and so some other initiative, because we had some partners that were interested in working with us on, on different capacities. So we started looking into the market and start doing some groundwork in 2020. But I decided to move, uh, basically pack my bags and leave to Jakarta to focus on some of the segments. Because in Indonesia, I think the majority of the population is unbanked, essentially, mm. or underbanked. Mm. Um, so then that presents a huge market opportunity. But we also have several partners that we think would be able to do this in a more contained uh, and sustainable manner with us. So I moved to Jakarta in 2021. Okay. 2021, yeah. So you're there most of the time. Yeah. So during the pandemic, you were stuck there? So I came back for my vaccine. And then majority of the time, while waiting for the dosage of the vaccines, I'm in town. Okay. Then after the, uh, I get whatever the requirement is then I flew back. Okay, what's the target audience, uh, I mean, in Indonesia? How are they different from Malaysia? So you imagine the 1.2 million that I mentioned mm -hmm. to you earlier. <laughs> yeah. uh, in Indonesia, it's flipped. Okay. Majority of the population is within the 1.2 million underserved category. Oh. So that's why you see a lot of alternative um, financing flourishing in Indo. Mm. So you have peer-to-peer -peer catering to the needs of this underserved segment, right? But the interest rate is ridiculous. So it could go as high as 1% per day. Mm. You imagine, we, we credit Credit card, 18% already. Per day. Yeah, this is 1% per day, right? So, And they will never be able to get out of that mm. spiral. Mm. So they were yes. essentially in the Gadi Lubang to the Lubang situation, right. right? So they borrow from one to cover the interest and principal of the other one, then borrow from the third one to cover the second ah. one. So that is what we, we see with this um, underserved segment. So through our, our financing product, because we don't charge interest, so it's non-interest bearing product. So mm. it is a lot easier for them to borrow and build credit trails so that they could eventually be able to climb out from that right. spiral. Just to get out of that before you can even think further, right? I mean, yeah. just, you know, you've also partnered with Maidin and Boost, how so? Yeah, so for, for Boost, we started with, because we were thinking about ways for people to save, right? So essentially, we want to sweep whatever small savings that they have here and there into a dedicated pod, a savings account, right? So when we partner with Boost, the idea is sometimes uh, you have unutilized some of money inside there, mm. then we want to reroute it out into, you, you want to gather all right. your cents into a tabung, yes. right? Yes. Essentially, so that is the vision or the idea that we have. Um, and it's still an ongoing collaboration and we do see quite high transfers or quite high rerouting from Boost to Pod. Um, and then from Maiden, initially, the idea is because some of the segment still spends with cash. Mm. So they sh 
shillings or coins yeah. uh, that they gather, we want to also reroute it back to the savings pot that they have. Uh, it could be towards travel or emergency saving. So that was the initial idea. So we started also now working with multiple different partners, even from the gig worker, uh, the gig platform perspective. They can also do that rerouting of their earnings directly from the gig platform to us. So essentially, pot is a consolidation of all mm. this small, small money they have here and there right. into one goal-based account. So what is your business model, a percentage from this, a small percentage so, from this? Yeah, so currently the, the savings product is going through a little bit of um, transformation. So what we want to do is now work closely with asset managers, uh, back to you know my initial roots, mm. the market I understand, to be able to let the user enjoy a little bit more upside to their savings. So right now they just get CASA rate, right? Uh, current account savings account rate. Mm. So um, we are working with an asset manager to now shift all the savings into money market fund. Mm. Um, so that is currently in the works. Uh, so we are working closely with the asset manager to submit the application for e-service uh, license. But also from the other side is the monetization mainly at the moment is from two sources. So number one is referrals mm. with FI. So Imagine if someone has already saved, let's say, 1,800 ringgit or 2,000 ringgit, then they start asking things like, if I save longer, can mm. I get higher interest okay. uh, aside from the CASA rate, right? So then we know they're already in the mentality or mindset right. of growing wealth. Then we reroute them to um, microinvestments. So we are currently also working with the likes of Stashaway to mm. reroute some of these users who graduated from our ah. platform into investment platform. Um, we're also working with banks to enable the graduation of some of our users who has built credit trail on our platform to then go to apply for bigger financing from the bank. Right. But the immediate one um, that currently is uh, keep, keeping the lights on uh, is actually the microfinancing portion. Mm. So we charge a flat processing fee for every loans dispersed based on the score. So if let's say your score is high, then obviously you pay lower processing fee. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, what have you learned about yourself as an entrepreneur? Oh, that's interesting. I think I... Honestly, after starting this journey with Pot, I am more honest with uh, myself about okay. what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Right. Because you have to be, right? Right. if you're not good at certain things, you, you better find someone to help okay. supplement that weakness, right? I, so I get really honest about what I'm not so good at. Okay. Before this, you'll be like, oh, you know, you know how I interview questions, but say, what is your weakness? Oh, I work too hard. Do you know, <laughs> do you know that? <laughs> like you, you try to to mask that yeah. weakness as a strength, right? Okay. But you, you don't do that as an entrepreneur. Okay, that's why you have a co-founder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you guys complement each other. Yeah, I genuinely am very lucky to have her as part of this journey. Um, so Ying Ting, she's yes. my classmates from A-level, so we've right. known each other a very long time. And she's very good at, uh, she's very detail-oriented mm. and she's process-driven coming from management consultants. Okay. Um, so that's. I love these people in my life. Yes. <laughs> so that's how we complement each other. That's why I'm in radio. Yeah. Anyway, so when you look at the people that are on your platforms, do you see gender based? I mean, like, are they more women? Are they more men? Or equal? Or what? What are we seeing? So at the moment, majority. Uh, so at the moment, seventy percent of our user base are male. Okay. But my team and I, we make it a point that, uh, especially for the microfinancing product, because mm. we want to unlock more uh, access to financing for women. Mm. I mean, statistically, they are be better paymasters. Yeah. So not only because of that, but we want them to be able to also feed into the score through the savings product uh, and, and financial literacy uh, portion as well. So we always want to maintain 30% of women participation minimum at all times for right. every loan batches that we give. Mm. Okay. Plans moving forward. Other plans? 
Interesting. Um, so for now, I think we have our plate quite full with mm. Malaysia and Indo. Um, so the focus has, for Malaysia particularly, we are very excited about where the digital banks are, are going. Mm. So we want to be part of that conversation because some of our users are ready to graduate. So let me give you an example. So before this, let's say they have no credit trails, they're freelancer, let's say they're digital content creators, they can't get access from bank financing. So when we give them a few cycles of financing, we want them to be able to graduate, right? So building pipelines uh, to graduate the users who have built pot score essentially on our platform into the banking ecosystem with traditional banks previously were a bit um, challenging. So now hopefully with the emergence of the digital banks, then the, the graduation can be a bit more seamless. Um, so for Indonesia, I think we're focusing a lot more on the farmer segment, mm-hmm. simply because our partner um, is, is within that space. And we want to pilot a certain things first before um, you know growing out into uh, the mass market. Right. Are you looking at more funding? We are planning to raise our mm. uh, Series A sometime late this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. so probably we'll start speaking to VCs then and knocking <laughs> at their door soon. Anything else you'd like to add? Um, I think from the perspective of this segment, the gig worker mm. segment that we're very passionate about. So when I was at uh, Nomura, we didn't look at them as um, viable right. uh, segment for PNL. Right, they're not mm. that exciting. But what was refreshing that we saw was during pandemic. So we were fundraising during pandemic, which was already very challenging. So the ways that I uh, recover, because I we sit down and was like, why are we doing this to ourselves? And then you know uh, to recover from those um, rejections, so we call our users because right. some of them. Uh, has achieved their saving goals, for example. Right. So I remember there were a few uh, riders that we spoke to to say, hey, you know, I saw that you saved to buy um, a tablet. Do you end up buying it? And then he cried saying that, honestly, before this, I never thought I would be able to buy this tablet for my kids to, right. to learn online mm. because everything was online, right? I never thought I would be able to do it. But now because, you know, I didn't realise that the small savings add up and amount to something, and then they were just so excited that they right. get to buy that for their kids, right? And I think one of the things that make this journey meaningful was that. So the message to financial institutions is these people, they do graduate yes. out if you pay enough attention and provide them with the right support and products so that they can grow out from that underserved segment right. to be served. Right. Great work you're doing. I'm very excited for you and your journey. I've been speaking to Nadia Ismadi from Pod. You've been listening to Enterprise. I'm Frida Liu, BFM 89.9. Listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.